Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Kevin Bradley, and today we will be having an in-depth conversation about the recent Avengers Infinity War movie. The movie's breaking records all over the place. It's being critically acclaimed, but I'm not smart enough to talk about it by myself. So I've called in some, some professional big gun help. Uh, she's, uh, she knows more about comics than I ever will, and she's got a doctorate, so that means you really need to listen to what she's talking about. Just, uh, don't get on her bad side. Uh, please welcome Dr. <laughs> Tracy Shrims. Uh, doctor, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, it's my pleasure, Kevin. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that, but all right, we'll go with that. It's <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so before we get into it, uh, how about you briefly outline your, your history with the, the comic book medium and, uh, and where, where it all started for you? Well, first of all, let me be absolutely 100% clear. I am in no way, shape, or form a DC girl. It's just not going to happen. So if you have listeners who are DC fans, God bless you. Go with God, my friends, but I am not that person. I am not a DC fan. I am strictly a Marvel girl. Will always be a Marvel girl. That's just the way it is. My interest in in all of this started with the X-Men, especially with respect to um, how the X-Men were drawn as multicultural characters and were, were some of the very first multicultural characters that have ever been created in their storylines were drawn in such a way that it was inclusive of different types of people who just happened to have the superhero abilities. And there was a distinct analogy that you could draw between these characters as well as the average person um, in outside that fictional world of the X universe. And then it just gradually took off from there. I did some work with... Um, uh, Stanley out in Los, Los Angeles with respect to some of the things that, that he was talking about in how you put, uh, use comic books and use these characters in education and use these at a, as a pedagogical tool to um, encourage uh, young men and women or young children to read, and it just kind of took off from there. And then because I'm a very visual person, I stuck with the uh, the films as well as the comic books because um, it's easier to read something where you can associate the words or what you are hearing with the actual visual of what you're seeing. And that's the lure for a lot of people when it comes to, to comic books and these types of films. And that's that like started seven years of research. So there you go. Well, more than that. But that was what my doctorate was in, was doing seven years of pedagogical research on how to use films and comic books as a pedagogical tool to teach writing and reading and all that kind of stuff to college freshmen. So there you go. Okay. So so you're qualified is what I'm getting from that. Well, okay. You, you definitely know I what suppose. you're talking about. <laughs> now, from an educational standpoint, now, yes. This is um, you this, this, now, as someone, 
you were a big fan of the original X-Men movies. Yes. Correct? Okay, now, looking That's correct. at just how... I, I, was, I was just a kid back then, but the more I've looked into it, it was seen that those movies were kind of, kind of un, unspokenly seen as, as, as pot, big as comic book movies could possibly get. Like, it, there, was no, there, was, there was no scope outside of X2, for instance. Like, that was considered the, the most ambitious you could possibly get with a comic book movie. And there was slowly, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy kind of expanded on that a little bit. But in terms mm-hmm. of just the number of superheroed people in a cast, you know, because the, right. the X-Men were all, that that was a massive number, you know, and even, like, especially right. including all the little kids at the Xavier School. Now, this movie, the Infinity War, is the culmination of, of 10 years of just building out characters. And there, there are some scenes in the movie where it's just, you know, the total net worth of the individual movies that each individual character on screen was in could buy, you know, a small continent. No, I'm and sure. How do you how do you look at the change of scale from something like X two to Avengers Infinity War? I think that's just that that's just how the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for how the um, industry has moved. I mean, it, it's with popularity, and and once the X the X Men films came out and coming, you have to think in terms that these these films came out standing on the shoulders of the Superman, the Superman uh, movies back in the seventies and star Wars and all that kind of stuff. And when X-Men came out, it spoke to a lot of people who were reading those comic books. Comic books have never been out of style, so to speak. I mean, people read comic books. You just don't hear about it a lot because um, the traditional literary, um, school of thought, if you may, do not consider comic books as being true literature, which is, you know, that, that's, that's common. You're going to have that. But the reason that these films, in my opinion, have grown to be so all-encompassing and so huge is because the industry in itself has created this, oh, goodness, this identifiable maybe amongst all sorts of people from diverse cultures and so to speak, so that everybody can get something out of these films. And plus um, special effects and the interweaving of the storylines, it, it, it's a constant tease and everybody wants to know what's going to happen next because no, it's human nature to not want to leave things solved. You leave, you leave a cliffhanger. We want to know what's going to happen next. And Marvel does this with their screenwriters. They do this so well by planting these seeds that the story is going to be continued in this next movie, so you have to go see this. And what they do from there is you take that storyline, you go see the next storyline, but they build it with even bigger superhero effects or special effects and even more superheroes. They stick as close to the... Um, comic book stories as they can as well as take creative license and so you know it's just it's the nature of the business it's just how things have evolved since then 
Okay, now, now that we've kind of covered a bit of the backstory of all that led up to this movie and why it's such a big deal, uh, did you like it? I don't know yet. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't know yet. I, you know, I, it takes me, it take, I, I usually watch a film once and then I take notes. Anybody who sits with me in a theater either sits as far away from me as possible or they just don't go with me because I, I sit and I take notes I write things down that as they come to me, and there are parts of it that I might miss because I'm writing things down. Um, I haven't been uh-huh. to my second screening yet. I'll go to three. I'll, I go three times. I haven't been to my second screening yet where I can sit down and really contemplate what I'm seeing. And then, of course, the third screening is just because, well, I want to. And, uh, and so I, I, I don't know yet. There are aspects of it that I did not like. Um, but there are other aspects that I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what should happen when Thanos gets the Infinity Stones. I mean, there were a couple of things in the storyline that I thought, man, you're insulting your audience there. True comic book readers and people who are fans of these characters, of the Avengers and of Thanos are not going to let you get away with this. Um, And I don't want to ruin anything for any of your listeners who may have not seen this yet. But um, well, from what I, I, my my thought process was that we could have a bit of a spoiler discussion towards the end, you know. So we'll 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 announce that we're doing spoilers after the academic talk is done, and then we can we can okay. devolve a little bit, and that then we'll give people the option that, that to to dick out to dip out early. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, there there are just there's things that I don't think that true. Marvel fans and true comic fan, book fans should let screenwriters get away with. I mean, I understand that you have to um, limit everything that you put into a film for to, because you can't put everything into a film or the films are going to be, you know, intrinsically long to the point where you'll be sitting there watching five and six hours of comic books gone to movie. I get that. I understand that. There's Real an entertainment quick, value. Because, There's, because- well, well, real quick, just off of that, you know, a lot of people that, that probably worked on Infinity Gauntlet, you know, were able to just pick up the, the the trade paperback for the first time, read the entire thing cover to cover, and, and that they got the whole story. But it's easy to forget well, the whole that, story. like, a graphic novel is often filled with individual issues that come out monthly, meaning that a story like Infinity Gauntlet was it took months and months to tell the whole thing. Oh, exactly. And and there's innuendo that is involved in those stories that go monthly. And and there are little tiny things that actually with personalities and, and connections between characters that if you if you skip over them, they eventually evolve into something even larger, especially when you're putting this into an ensemble like the Avengers characters are. And if you don't, uh, you know, if, if you ignore those innuendos and those small connections that these characters make, then you end up confusing your audience. People are like, well, I don't understand why the Guardians of the Galaxy are there with Thor and why is why are these Guardians of the Galaxy even in there? And is this just Marvel's way of taking all of its characters and throwing them into a film? 
is this a you know and and but there's an there's a connection with these characters that if you don't you don't ex- you talk about that or you don't bring that out and you don't stay true to that you're not going to understand it and it's not going to make any sense. Well, it's easy to forget that like in a comic book setting, these characters all exist in the same world, but it's so and it's so easy to have Thor like uh, just show up in an issue of Iron Man because you don't have to negotiate right. contracts Thor to show up, right. you don't have to negotiate how much it'll cost to have him there. You know, you, you don't need right. to work through any right, of those right, steps. Right. And it's, it's just yeah, you easier don't to, to just put him in, it. throw him in. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to go back and look at the fact that X was, like, if, if, if just to give you an example, in the Logan film, and I'm sorry if people haven't seen Logan yet, but we all know that Logan dies. We all you know should. that Wolverine dies at the end of Logan. If you don't know that, you know Go see now. Logan. Yeah, go see yeah. Logan. It's good. You'll cry. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking. Okay, so at any rate, we all really, know that Wolverine it, it, died. It made me realize that. Oh, sorry. Okay, let me finish. So anyway, we all know that Wolverine sorry dies. But if you if we go and see the Deadpool two movie that is coming out next week, Wolverine in that realm, within respect to that timeline, Wolverine's alive and well. You know, so it is conceivable that if um, they do a Deadpool three, or if Ryan Reynolds is able to convince Hugh Jackman to do a Deadpool Wolverine. God bless him. Good luck with that because Hugh Jackman is done. But he's even said that he's done. But if he convinced him to do that, that's actually a conceivable thing because Wolverine is still alive in that timeline. If Marvel decides beyond the, um, the second half of Infinity War to bring in the X-Men into the Avengers, which there is talk about, it is conceivable that these these people who are quote unquote dead in the X Men they can still be alive because that timeline is still relevant or is is still able to look at. You know, you have to take all of these things in mind. In different worlds, different people are alive, and you have to also keep in mind that, that there's a timeline involved in all of this as well. So, there you go. Okay, go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah. Moving up, well, I was just going to say on Hugh Jackman, you know, seeing he's really just, he's carried so much of the weight of comic book movies for so long, just because when you look at X-Men, that was, aside from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, which, you know, I love Tom Holland. They're not going to be touched, though. You know, we're we're never going to get a better Green Goblin than Willem Dafoe. That's just how I feel about it. That's Um, just, and I I have to agree. I have to agree. Yep. There's no other man that can convincingly talk to himself in a mirror like he can. Um, oh, that was such uh, a powerful that, Speaking scene. of... Yeah. <laughs> you killed... I killed them. We killed them. <laughs> I know, but right? Oh, my God. At, it was awesome. Looking at... It's actually... Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was a real anomaly because, you know, it was a comic book movie that really embraced some of the goofy aspects of Spider-Man. Like, the Green Goblin's just a loony. You know, and they they didn't really tone him oh, down. Yeah. They changed the look, but I really think that the look change was for the better, just because of how awesome the helmet looked. But when you look oh, yeah. at early comic book movies, especially the most successful ones like X Men and Fantastic Four, a lot of the more out there elements, a lot of the Kirby elements, were really toned down. For example, like uh, the X Men went from being bright, 
colorful, like Wolverine's costume to all wearing the same, you know, black leather uniforms. And I'm not, I'm not harsh. Yeah. That. It's just that they felt they needed. To. And especially in, in fantastic four rise of the silver surfer, the Galactus went from a, a giant purple guy in a helmet to a, a cloud. So there seemed to be a lot of efforts to tone down some of the more ridiculous elements in comic books to make them, you know, more palatable for mainstream audiences. Do you no, see you a slow of... shift? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to think in terms of credibility too. I mean, look at it this way: are are and when you look at the X Men first came out, they were all in yellow spandex. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yellow spandex was fantastic in the seventies during the disco era, and God help us in the eighties. I remember yellow spandex. But do you take a yellow spandex covered superhero in twenty eighteen, especially with with the evolution of how how people view these strong and and important superheroes and how they're saving the world? This you put them in yellow spandex. I mean, how many times do you look at somebody yellow spandex, roll your eyes, and don't take them seriously? I mean, we're talking about a group of characters that control the universe, you're not going to put them in yellow spandex. It's not going to happen. You've got to put them in, in leather. You've got to put them in something that's strong. You've got to speak to their credibility there. You know, um, and you even hear that in uh, Cyclops even says in X2 when Wolverine oh, yeah. first, first wears the uniform. He says, you know, this leather isn't uncomfortable. And Cyclops even says, well, what were you expecting, yellow spandex? And I thought, yeah, exactly, because, you know, there's no credibility there. You, it, it, but that's, again, that's an evolution of these characters and, and keeping up with what is relevant for the times in which they are, are living, you know. Um, it, it just, it is what it is. What's interesting, and this, with the... Um, um, Infinity Wars, if you look at the character, the female characters in Infinity Wars, what is happening, especially with, you know, Black Widow and the women of Wakanda and, and the other uh, Scarlet Witch, if you look at their costuming and what they are able to do, you don't see these bustiers, you know, breasts popping out of these breastplates, that type of thing that there used to be back in the 60s and 70s and the 80s with the portrayal of women, even though that's still the case in the comic books. You don't see them in the films because these women have become strong. And in this day and age, you're not going to do that to female characters because, oh, you'll get roasted, and rightly so. And these women have become these strong, I can take care of myself, I've got this, you know, if you guys all want to come down and help, that's great. But, you know, I got this. And you see that in one of the scenes in Infinity War that we can talk about later, where um, all of a sudden the Scarlet Witch comes down and, <laughs> oh, my goodness, and the, Wakand- the head of the Wakandan, what was her name? Not Shiri, oh, the Okoye. other one. Okoye. She says, Okoye. why has she been up yeah. there all this time? You know, why has she been sitting up there all this time? You know, why hasn't she been down here helping? But they were holding their own, you know. So suddenly, again, well, yeah. it, it's going to reflect culture. 
these films are going to reflect modern culture that is going on right now. And that's, that's what that does. And I totally got off on some track there. So anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. But that's the answer well, to my it, question. Well, it's funny it's, you mentioned it's, that. I, I think it's time to open up the spoiler gates just a little bit because so if, if you're inclined to, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to hear any spoilers, this is, this is your chance to, to get out now. Uh, but um, I think there's a lot to talk about in the movie. And I really want to go into Thanos. Just be, and uh, I want to, full disclosure, I really liked parts of the movie, but I think as a whole it wasn't the movie that I really wanted. But I don't think they necessarily – I don't know if it's possible to really make a faithful adaptation of the Infinity Gauntlet just because of how how it works in the story. Uh, also, spoilers for the comic if no one's read that. But Thanos uh, – well, first, what I liked about the movie was uh, I really think the standouts – hands down had to be um, Thor and Doctor Strange. They were my two favorite uh, people to follow during the movie. I think Thor mm-hmm. really shown, especially considering he used to be the distant guy that could disappear for a third of an Avengers movie and no one would care to the central figure. He's going out trying to accomplish goals. He's get, he's forming really legitimate relationships with the newer cast members, which I don't think a lot of people did. You know, he has that, that, that heart-to-heart he has with Rocket Raccoon where he, he's trembling and afraid and sad. It, it's the most human, one of the most human moments in any Avengers movie for me. Right, and right, I'm, right. I'm a huge Thor mm-hmm. fan. So good. And I like Doctor Strange. I think his introduction was really well done. I, you got the feeling that the original cast wasn't, uh, wasn't super game. I, I think that there was a lot of, deadness in some of their portrayals, but, you know, I'm not going to judge. It was an incredibly challenging production. Um, what did you think of Thanos? Um, first of all, you know, kudos to Josh Brolin, because Josh Brolin is, he's got to be the busiest actor in Hollywood right now. I mean, he just, he was Cable in Deadpool, and now he's Thanos in, in Infinity War, and they're very different characters, and he played them both beautifully. Um, I thought Thanos, I liked the character of Thanos in the sense that um, they did a very good job of bringing out, I mean, hands down, the man is evil. We get that. The character is evil, okay. But in this film, you get the sense of his humanity where he, he obviously is, he, he really wants to solve the problems of the universe, even though the way that he wants to do it by wiping out half of it is, you know, that's just crazy. But his intentions with respect to that, are not necessarily bad. I mean, they're they're good, but his execution is just not going to happen. You know, do I think this man is evil? Absolutely. Do I think he has um, um, anti-hero qualities in him? Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't see this this um, character actually grieve over the loss of a child that is not necessarily his, but that he took under his wing in the, in the form of Gamora. Sorry, Gamora dies, so 
but you know, Guardians. in order. Well, yeah, he has to. He has to sacrifice Gamora to get the Soul Stone, and Gamora was actually his daughter, so to speak, and he actually grieved for that, but recognized that even though, and this is where everybody will start arguing with me, which is fine, you know, that's that's the beauty of, of education, but where he looks at this and he says, I have to sacrifice something that I love for the greater good, getting this soul stone so that I can solve these problems of this universe. And you see him become human in that one instance. And then, you know, he wipes out half the world, you know. It, it's, that's the beauty of characters in comic books because they're not pure evil. There's always some kind of humanity in them. You have to look for them. Doctor Strange, I love Doctor Strange. I think Doctor Strange is absolutely brilliant. I think Doctor Strange holds his own against Iron Man. I think Tony Stark and the, the, uh, the, the dialogue between uh, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange is absolutely hilarious and absolutely brilliant and shows you that Doctor Strange is not the least bit impressed with Stark at all and pretty much looks at him and says, you know what, you're going to do your thing and that's fine, but I know more than you do. And you, this brings out that argument, is Iron Man actually a superhero or is he like Batman, just a rich guy with really cool toys? And so there you go. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely awesome. And even and you even see that when Spider Man comes into it and is looking between the two of them. And even though his his loyalties and his adoration lies with Tony Stark, he's kind of looking at Doctor Strange like, oh, let's. What's going on here? I mean, Spider-Man's a teenager, you know, so he's not he's he's totally loyal to him, but he's kind of like this guy's kind of cool. So what's going on? So yeah, that's what I think. I think that my one real big issue with the core of the movie is that they had to change, like they they changed Thanos very radically. He went from he, he's got a sort of sympathetic bent to him now, but he, in the comics, he's just mm-hmm. the guy who's in love with death. You know, and it's oh, personification, yeah. and he's doing all of this to impress her. And I feel like in taking away that motivation, they had to strip Thanos about of, of a lot of what made him Thanos, you know? And I, I'm not necessarily yeah. saying he's a bad character. I'm just saying he's not Thanos. Like, Thanos, he would he would he, chuck a bunch he's of not his the comic own children Thanos. into a ditch. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. no. And I know that they had to change a lot. And um, I feel like a lot of what made Infinity Gauntlet great was that you saw Thanos unravel because of his own doubts in himself. And I feel like that's sort of missing here. Like, he seems very determined and sure of himself, which, you know, and I I just, I think it's really, if you're a big comic book fan, a thing I would recommend is don't keep the original Infinity Gauntlet gauntlet storyline in mind just go into this trying to enjoy yeah. a fun time because the action's amazing oh I, I agree with you but you also have to keep in mind too that if you look back at the actual or the origins of Thanos and, and who he was as a character from birth to what he has become originally Thanos's mother if you go back all the way back to, to those first comic books where he made his first appearance, 
Thanos' mother knew Thanos was going to become this 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 god that was in love with death, you know, and tried to um, stop him and, and tried to kill him because she thought he was going to annihilate or get rid of everything in the universe, and he, she was stopped by his father. But even then, Thanos was kind of a pacifist, if you think in terms. And it wasn't until after he got older and became fascinated with this idea of death and, and, and making everything, writing everything with death and, and making everything, what's the word, making everything um, the same or on the right. same level playing field that you see him become this, this evil well, I, 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 I really shouldn't use the word evil because that's not really, I mean, it's evil from my perspective, but he's viewing death as the great oh, equalizer. Makes everything, equalizer, thank you, as, as the, great, the great equalizer between everyone. Is that really evil? Yeah, I don't know. It depends on your perception of evil, but what is interesting is his mother knew he was going to do this, tried to kill him, his father stops him, and as he grows up, he goes from becoming a pacifist to becoming more of a nihilist and being fascinated with now, death. And this, this so there you go. Uh, sorry, I don't, to, I don't mean to cut you off. This is definitely a huge topic, and you, you get the sense oh. that you need a lot more time to unpack. Unfortunately, we're running, uh, we're running up at the clock here, so uh, i got to say thank you. Oh, thank you very much to, uh, to Dr. Shrimps for joining me today. And uh, It was my pleasure. Go out and enjoy comedy. I will. Enjoy. Thank you very much. Ex-